0: Hello and welcome back to the Fortline Line Social Podcast. My name is Fraser and today I sat down with Walter from Rotting Out. <clears throat> the interview kinda of starts a bit suddenly because I just kinda of hit record as soon as he joined because we were we were kind of chatting straight away and I didn't want to have to um halt the the conversation to you know do an introduction. So it starts kinda of suddenly, that's why. Uh there's also some connection issues. We were obviously recording this over Zoom. And I think there's a storm happening where I'm at right now, so my Wi-Fi was a bit shit. So, a couple of connection issues, sorry about them, but hope you enjoy nonetheless. If you like the episode, let everyone know what you think at Faultline Social on Instagram. Cheers. So yeah, you're just saying it's snowing in Utah, so do you get snow often there was is it is that
1: um i guess just during the winters uh yeah it, and we just hit a big uh, there's a big snowstorm like passing through so we're we got like i don't know eight inches of snow
0: oh shit yeah
1: so for me for me it's not that big of a deal but i just try not to go anywhere
0: yeah i mean i like the snow if you've got nothing else to do yeah
1: i mean but me i'm just an isolated person yeah so like i can stay in a room or in a cell or whatever for you know long period of time without really needing to be around anybody. Yeah. You know, so this isn't a big deal to me. It's like, Oh cool. The only problem is like when the roads are ugly, like I just have to drive slower and just, even if I like, that's if I need to go out for anything, you know, like, yeah, I rarely need to go out for much unless it's like to the gym or to go get gas or groceries.
0: How used to like in, in the UK, like if it snows, everything just goes under because we're just not like set up for it. So if it snows, trains stop working car crashes all the time constantly like how how set up are you for snow over there is it it's it's uh it's part of the lifestyle in this state um okay. in, in
1: utah uh but there's other places that aren't prepared like texas right now i don't know if you paid attention oh yeah but i've
0: seen yeah i've seen some of the stuff
1: yeah everything has legitimately shut down like there's houses with no power which means no heat which means there's people go into their car just so they can have some sort of heat like sitting in their cars yeah, yeah. so it's pretty bad I and mean, you know with think thing about the homeless people you know or poor people or you know just like nobody's getting assistance right now just because there's very difficult way to assist other than government assistance but
0: yeah I that's saw, a whole saw, other topic I saw someone talking about how there's like 5,000 or something churches in is it Dallas where they're having loads of problems and you know, Houston, I believe people. Houston. And actually, I, literally I think, there. yeah, I think it's multiple places because my friend lives
1: in Austin, which is probably like another three hours away, four hours away. Yeah. And they're, they're pretty bad too. Like their shit's pretty fucked up as well.
0: Oh dear. What? Yeah. I can't imagine Texas is ever usually gets snow. So, I mean, that's even more scary. Uh, I, don't really know i'm i think they get like they do get snow but nothing like how it's go going down right now yeah so you know well it's crazy right now it is what it is (laughs) um so how have you been you know keeping yourself entertained whilst you are are you still locked down in utah uh not loosely you know what i mean like very loosely um yeah
1: because the population is so much smaller than it is in like Los Angeles, where I was about two months ago. Okay. Um, there's not as many restrictions, you know what I mean? Like, especially with like snow, nobody's going to go out. No one cares. You know what I mean? So like, no one's going to be interacting much unless it's like for work or, you know, school, things like that. Okay. Yeah. I
0: mean, and even then there's still like some restrictions and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah it's we're still in full lockdown. So it's, it's like interesting hearing, you know, how people, how it's different in different places. Yeah. The U S is pretty stupid
1: when it comes to us, you know, kind of taking care of this right now. So, you know, some people, oh, it's not that serious. And then you're like, yeah, but like you can't even get help at the hospital because people are legitimately dying like every other minute, you know, um, from COVID and whatnot. So it's like, it's just really like, Just say it's like you don't care about other people. You just want to be able to do what you want to do, which I which. Yeah, that's an honest answer. Like I can I can run with that instead of like this fence walking like, well, it's not that bad. And like my friend got this and it it didn't affect them. And just say you don't give a shit. It's simple. Like, yeah, you don't give a shit about other people and that's fine.
0: It's the whole thing of people saying, yeah, but I'm you know, I'm young. Uh, If I get it, it's not going to it's not going to really affect me much. It's like, yeah, but. It's not about that. It's about you spreading it onto somebody that is... Can. Yeah, that can. And not only
1: that, there's been like multiple cases with like kids. I say kids because they're younger than me, but like people that are like 24, 25 that have gotten strokes, perfectly healthy people, but they caught COVID and then they got strokes from that. And people are like, oh my God, like the the after effects of this thing and the effects, like it's really just like a coin toss at this point. Like, yeah, a lot of people can be asymptomatic not have to deal with anything and then there's other people that are in critical condition that have lived perfectly healthy lives up until then you know yeah so and at that point it's like oh like it's not gonna affect me and, da, 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 da. and then oh shit my grandma's sick and she's in the hospital pray for us it's like yeah you're probably the asshole that gave it to her like yeah you. exactly
0: yeah. <laughs> like, you i've know. had it and it it sucks it's not like a it's not a good time so no i got it last march literally when los angeles locked
1: down rotting out played a show and i was not feeling good because i had been on tour up until that point it was like halfway through the tour not even halfway and i think i got it in texas or like louisiana or new orleans or something yeah but i pushed my body so hard i wasn't sure if it was just you know soreness or i was getting something because i don't get sick often my immune system's pretty bulletproof up until then you know yeah and um and we played the last show And even then I felt great, you know, I felt achy and I thought I was having a fever. I was like, oh, I don't feel good. And they're like, ah, it's the last show, like, whatever, let's just get it over with. You know, I didn't I didn't really think too much into it, you know. And then I played the show and during the set, I felt awesome. I felt great. It was probably the best show I felt up until that on that whole tour. Yeah. Two hours later, when I got home, my body just shut down and I had a fever for the next like six days. I lost 20 pounds. I lost my sense of smell. I lost my hair. My hair has thinned out. Like chunks of my hair were falling out in the oh, following shit. months. Yeah, um, that's another like symptom. Um, and I lost my energy and a lot of strength uh, for quite some time. Um, even recently, like my smell, I could smell things, but it's not what it should be. You know what yeah. I mean? Like like yeah, it's coming I mean, yeah. back it's coming back but it's not like it's like hmm like there's things i don't smell like i work with like glue and like things i shouldn't be inhaling and i could usually be like well that's strong i need to like put that away real fast yeah and now i'll forget because i just can't smell it yeah so it's 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 difficult you know and that's why i'm like i don't care to hang out because one i don't care to catch it again because you definitely could after four months like your antibodies only last for like four months and then you're You can get it again. And um and one, I don't care to hang out really just for the sake of others. And two, I don't just care to hang out in general. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? I just don't like I don't really give a fuck. I'm the guy that goes to parties and like I'll be like, yeah, then like 15 minutes and be like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna go grab something from the car, I left something in the car and just fucking go home. Yeah. Like, I've done that so many times, and my <laughs> friends know that's something I do, and they just don't care anymore. They go, where's Walter? And then he, oh, he left. and then, oh,
0: okay. Yeah, sometimes it's just not worth the whole, like, yeah, I'm going to go home, because then you have to deal with everybody either, like, berating you into staying. You just yeah. like, get out of there. Yeah, yeah
1: I just, you? I just, uh well, over here we call it an Irish goodbye. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if you guys call yeah, it I've that over there. That. But it's basically, like, just, like, disappearing, like, without saying goodbye or anything like that. You just, okay. you, you nice. just, uh. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, other than that, like life's pretty good, you know, like I got some health problems like, uh, that I have to deal with that aren't COVID related, but it's just, you know, getting older.
0: Okay. You know? Um,
1: and you say and you're then, struggling to
0: get treatment because of the, um, the hospitals being full up or is, are you managing to deal with it? Okay. Okay. So emergency rooms and like, you know, like
1: emergency, like if, if I get shot, And I'm in LA, I'm not getting, no one's going to see me. No one's going to like treat me because their beds are so fucking full. Yeah. You know, but if it's like, Oh, Hey, like if I have like a condition where like, I need to go get an ultrasound and like, Hey, like I'm not feeling good. Then those, those things are open, you know, but like immediate attention, it's pretty fucked. Okay. But for me, it's like a long story short without giving any details. I went to the doctor. I was like, Hey, I think I strained something. And they're like, no, that's not a strain. That's this. This shouldn't be there. And I was like, oh, was like, yeah, that's got to come out. And I'll go, oh, OK, cool. So that's where I'm at.
0: Oh, OK. Yeah. Wow. Good luck with that, man. Hopefully, hopefully I'll be it turns f- out to be OK.
1: I'll be fine. It's not life threatening. So I'm I'm happy with that. At least not yeah. yet. So I'm, I'm good with that.
0: Oh, that's good then. I was looking through um, your uh, Twitter earlier. While I was trying to find some questions. And I see that you've uh, been posting a lot about Mandalorian. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, how did you find that last season? Spoiler alert! I,
1: I thought it was great. Yeah, spoiler alert! I thought it was fucking. I think uh, I think John Favre was like at his peak, you know, because he did the Iron Mans, the two Iron Mans, and then he like kind of like co-directed like and produced things, but like this being his like thing is genius. Granted, they have guest directors all the time, yeah, um, but I've never seen anything so well written since like Breaking Bad.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, I think yeah. it's such a step up from like what he did with Iron Man. Like, because I, I watched the Iron Man films recently, and if I'm honest, they're just they're just Michael Bay films, in my opinion. Like, they don't feel. Uh, but Mando for me is just so much like so much better. I wouldn't say Michael
1: Bay ish because Michael Bay doesn't have as much humor.
0: Yeah, you know, and
1: there's a lot of humor in those Iron Man movies, um, but it's very. Uh, yeah, it could be it could be thrown in that category with like the Transformers and shit like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, Not just so just much strange. like in yeah, yeah, just shit blowing up and it's cool because that's what superheroes are, you know what I mean? Like it 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 it's it's true to the uh the, uh, the material and uh, you know it's very honest and you know you just make things It's cool to see things be more gargantuan than they are on a screen than it is like reading through the panels. Yeah. So, it's cool, but with something Uh, like Mandalorian you know I grew up on on like samurai movies and kung fu movies and westerns and shit like that and so yeah there's these subtle nods to like a lot of that old like um,
0: the Ahsoka episode
1: oh yeah yeah and each episode is very demanding of your focus yeah. like even though there's like fun parts and stuff like that like you're paying attention thoroughly to every episode going what's that who's that where'd they come from oh that's from that episode oh yeah. my god i know about that like they never talk about that because i already saw the whole fucking star wars saga right like
2: yeah
1: uh oh my god who's that oh cool like you know like these details especially if you're like a star wars fan and you grew up one that you're picking up on and then it also does the thing where it makes you feel, it makes you feel kind of um, uh, what's the word? Kind of like this VIP thing because they'll give you these certain details to a character from another movie, another Star Wars franchise movie. Yeah. And then you go, I know, what, I know what that means. And then you feel like the cool kid in class. Like, yeah, I know what that means. Like,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah,
1: man. Yeah, I get you. Oh, I know whose helmet that is. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. you know, like your buddy who doesn't really give a shit. Or, you're, you know, you're, you, for me, it's, you know, my girlfriend. She's like not too familiar with it. And yeah, that's, that's that's Boba Fett. You don't know about it. You know, yeah. like, uh,
2: <laughs> you know?
0: I was the exact same when I was watching it with my girlfriend. I was like, right, before this episode, you need to know this guy played Django Fett. And yeah you need to know what he looks like. And then yeah. I was like kind of coaching her for it. And she's like, that's, that's not Django Fett. I was like, yeah, that's, you're right. That's Boba Fett.
1: Like, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. You know what I mean? he you know, was like, Oh, wasn't he in part two? I was like, kind of technically. Yeah. Like, but as an, like, since they were all clones and whatnot, but you know, yeah. that, once again, that, that's one of the things that makes you feel very like, uh, what's the word? Very, uh, it's, it's, it's very, you feel like you're a part of this whole thing. Like you, like you helped create it for some weird reason. You know what I yeah, mean? Like,
0: I follow you. Yeah. I get you.
1: I that, that, in, that this weird, like into, intimate connection that you have with these characters and the way they're presented, you feel like, Oh yeah. Like that was made for me.
0: Like, yeah. Oh, I know about that. That was made for me. That wasn't like made for you. You're getting, getting me. the answers. You're getting the answers to like stuff you've been thinking about for ages. You know, like you, we always oh. knew that Boba was going to be a clone.
2: Uh, yeah, 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 and and, um, seen him.
1: and even then, like, even when I was a kid, and uh, what was it? Uh, Return was it Return of the Jedi when he died? Yeah, yeah, and um, I was like, well, they're like, oh yeah, that's when he died. I was like, well, I don't know, did he though? Like, did he? Yeah, did like, he didn't didn't get shot? Yeah, and you didn't see him get chewed up. No, you see, him you fall- know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you see him fall, and you see him get swallowed. And, you know, there's lots of, like, even throughout, like, in Empire Strike Backs, like, there's a lot of things people do where they get gobbled up or they hide in other, like, creatures and stuff like that throughout the franchise. Yeah. That you're like, oh, wait, there's still that, like, possibility that this character is going to come back. And then you have uh, the uh, the last Skywalker series um, with um, Ray and whatnot. And you're like, oh, well, maybe he's not coming back. So... The fact that they brought it in on a series, like yeah. a, a, a episode, like that's exciting. That's that that like, gets you hyped for the next episode. And then, you know, one and then, then then you have all these little questions you have about like Grogu and whatnot. Like, wait, if he's here and he's going with Anakin, does that mean Kylo did the thing with uh yeah. yeah, you know where, what I mean? Where is he
0: in the in the sequels? Yeah, yeah so I'm it's keep.
1: It's keeping it's it's turning you into this like detective or this like conspiracy theorist that makes it fun, you know, in like a good way, um, you know, because you don't know. You're just trying to put together things that you do know that yeah. can lead to like an outcome that can be very exciting or very detrimental, whatever, you know, to the story.
0: I think that they'll, you know, I have a lot of trust in them. I've, they've made they haven't made a single decision so far that I think has been like, yeah. Like I've been happy with pretty much all of the decisions story wise, so I kind of trust that they'll do a good job with with Grogu and with Boba with the new Boba series. So,
1: oh, I think it's I think it's gonna be great um, because Boba he, people want to say he's a bad guy. He's just a mercenary. And that's yeah. that's re- and that's essentially what the Mandalorian is as well. He just happens to be doing a good thing in this story. Yeah. Um, obviously, because of like sentimental reasons and, and whatnot, but uh, uh, I think there's so much room for this 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 universe to grow outside of just the Skywalker family.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if we saw um, like when we first see Mando, he is just that mercenary, and then you get the character development of him starting to get a bit more heart. If we had Boba, you know, come back into it straight away and then turn straight away into a good guy, we would have missed out on like, so much character development that they could get away with doing in the, in the, um in the serious, series. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And even then, the only reason he helped Mandalorian is because of, like, the debt he owes. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, the code, the promise. Like, it's a, this is, this is a contract. This is, like, an exchange. It's not so much because, like, oh like, you're my dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, a, it's no. A cool it's a cool reason. Yeah, it's right. like, by by law, like, I owe you one. Yeah. And, I, and now I don't. You know, which could not leave everything, especially with the last episode. It could make things very complicated. You know, yeah. with him handling the sword and, or the the
0: uh, uh, dark saber. Dark saber, that's what it was called. Yeah, which, uh, I, yeah. I'm excited to see what do they do with it. What do you hope oh. they do with um, with Cara Dune? I hope they get rid of her and bring and bring back Bill
1: Burr's character full time. That would be sick. That would be way better. Him in yeah. two episodes did way more than she did in the whole series.
0: Yeah. You know I what agree. I mean? That last yeah. episode with Bill Burr was probably one of the best Mandalorian episodes just for his segments alone. So, yeah, I agree. And the cool
1: part was like what I like, I like uh, all the behind the scenes shit. Cause like Bill Burr used to talk so much shit on the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. He's like a bunch of fucking nerds and da, 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 da. And like, and when he got the offer, He's like, no, I'm not going to do this. He's like, I talk so much shit that would make me a hypocrite. And then, you know, John Farber was like, that's why you should do it. He's like, people would get irked by it. Like fans would be like frustrated with the whole situation. He's like, oh, yeah, because he's Bill Burr. He's like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, okay, I'll do it. Um, Not realizing he was going to be a phenomenal character. Yeah. You know, not realizing he was going to like establish his place in the series. And I think they should just. Kara could just fuck
0: off and just bring him back permanently. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'd like to see them do something with it because I, I don't. I think it would be cool if they get somebody else in because I feel like if they don't, then that means Gina Carano just kind of earns that character, and I think yeah, they should kind of take it away from her. But you know the stuff that she said. Yeah, but uh, she also like
1: they replace actors all the time. They did it in. But they did it with Don Cheadle and um, yep. uh, uh, Terrence Howard, right, in yep. Iron Man. And they did it with uh, Edward Norton in The Hulk. Remember, they, got, he, they, they switched him out for, um, um, oh, God, I was just talking about him. Um, the new dude. Uh, yeah, I can't think of his name either. God, oh, it's going to kill me now. Uh, Mark Ruffalo. That's it. Both really yeah. good recasts. Yeah, great recast. I liked Edward Norton better just because I'm a big Edward Norton fan. Um but uh and he does play much more of a dork than he plays more of a banner than Mark Ruffalo plays a banner. Yeah. You know what I mean like when it comes to just like the severe anxiety he has and stuff like that. Like you could read it more in in in, in an actor like um like Edward Norton, in my opinion. Uh but yeah, I it do like as well. Yeah, yeah. But I do like Mark Ruffalo a lot uh just in general. But um I don't think recasting would be an issue. I don't think people would care. I think people prefer it now, you know what I mean? And Disney yeah. doesn't want to attach their name to like some shit like that cuz you know, she was doing like what? She said all this stuff about the Jewish people, right? And then which you just you just don't do. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when, like, Hollywood is ran by mostly, like, you know, Jewish people. Like, you. Just, that's just a stupid move. You're just fucking with your money at that point. Like, yeah, you already suck as a person, like, saying shit like that. But you're just dumb now to put yourself in a position to jeopardize your money when you were already going to get a show handed to you.
0: Yeah. I don't I don't yeah. get it, honestly. People just think freedom of speech means freedom to just talk be a about dick. Shit. Yeah. Which... You're fine to have freedom of speech like
1: she's allowed to say what she wants to say, yeah. which is you have you're, you're not going to prison for it. like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the freedom of speech, whether somebody disagrees with you to the point where you're like, oh, I don't want to be associated with you. That's their freedom as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, you know, I in my opinion, Disney's can't afford that you know on top of that a few months ago she was saying some shit about um the transgender community and like it was like really like i was still surprised that disney didn't do shit then i was like oh wow only for pedro pascal's um trans sister to come out this month as well yeah so top Yeah, yeah on top of that so it's like I wouldn't be surprised if the Mandalorian himself was like, yeah, she could fuck off like real quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because now why would it's they like, want to work with her anymore? Exactly. It's like, do you really want to work with somebody like that? No. You know, like, it, yeah, granted, like, I'm sure she'll still get gigs and whatnot, but not how she used to. I like, saw that she's making a film with Ben Shapiro of all people, so. I don't know who that is and I try to avoid that because I've heard nothing good about that.
0: It's just a. it's just like a, um, just like an antagonist like just just says shit just to annoy people uh just a cloud chaser yeah Uh, okay whatever like yeah see what i mean like
1: okay cool you can go do that which is fine like no one's gonna stop you you know whether people support you or not is a big difference because look what happened to mel gibson yeah and mel Mel gibson was a big star you know know, he, he had done what uh Braveheart and signs and lethal weapons and whatnot. And then, you know, he got fucking belligerent drunk and said some dumb shit. And his career hasn't been the same. Yeah. And he was, and he was like up here. So now Gina Cron was kind of like, you know, she's just like a fighter that fell into acting. She was a great fighter, by the way, but she got into acting and she's not really at this caliber where Mel Gibson, you know, dropped yeah. to here. And like imagine where she's kind of going to fall off to, you know. And, you know, that's just logic. But uh it's just it's it's weird when people think cancel culture is like the enemy and stuff like that. It's like, no, like you're allowed to say whatever you want. You know what I mean? But the man who agree or disagree with that, you know, it's like look at look at the Trump administration. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like we may not agree, but the masses kind of had their way for four years. And like that—that that was shitty. But you know what? Are you gonna do? You know. Yeah. You just sit through it till the next four years, and hopefully, it fucking ends
0: sooner than later. But whatever. How do you feel now that that has that ship uh, has sailed? I'm just hoping he dies in the next four years.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, just, like, health issues and shit like that. Like, he's just too too old to fun, to function, you know what I mean? And just, like, croaks. So we don't have to deal with another four years of that. Because, like, there's a good chance the fanatics will come back full force, you know what I mean? And be like, you know, and can potentially take it the right way, you know, with the votes and the popularity and whatnot. You know, like, when people feel passionate about something, like, they will go to hell and high water for it. That's what happened with Obama. You know, people felt passionate about something and they, you know, they saw it through. Yeah. Sometimes the wrong people are passionate or the people are passionate about the wrong things just because it speaks to them on a certain level, um, you know, and the rest have to endure. You know, That's, that's really the way life is, unfortunately. Yeah. And until that changes, it'll just kind of just keep being a cycle.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm with you. Um, let's talk about your, uh, your leather company. I, I noticed that you're starting up, well, you've, you've been doing, uh, leather, like a leather, um, kind of wallet company, is it? And you're doing straps.
1: It, it's not, it's not, it's not really, a, I guess it is a company, but I just, it's just a hobby. Like I picked it up like last September and I really love doing it. And, you know, I'm trying to still hone in on what my style is, Yeah. but personally I like, trying everything i'm that person i was just like oh like i'll see something i'm like i think i can make that and i'll try it you know what i mean um but it's you know it's not my job like i'm gonna be going to school soon so like i don't i'm i'm not just gonna sit on my ass and do leather work all day like yeah I'm it's a, very, a, a hobby yeah i'm very realistic about you know what goes how far um so you know i'll be doing that on the side on top of going to school and stuff like that since we can't tour i might as well learn some things yeah and um but yeah i don't know it's fun it's
0: uh it's giving me carpal tunnel
1: but you know i guess everything comes with the sacrifice I love doing to one extent or the
0: other what made you um like decide you know to start doing that because it's quite a it's quite an interesting you know hobby to to make Uh, my friend made me a wallet and he does leather work uh full-time
1: okay and uh i was just curious i was like Hey, show me how to make a couple things, and he did. You know, he, he he kind of just introduced me into like how to use what tools, you know, how to like kind of approach things and stuff like that. So, um, and then you know, I, the more I I looked into it and like the more I learned about it, the more I like enjoyed, you know, different things, um, whether it's the craftsmanship or the designing part or just kind of like being more inventive. With like things like that I don't see as often. Um, or even just the like cosmetic aesthetic part. Like I made a couple of chokers for like uh females or actually whoever wants to wear them, honestly. Yeah. Um, just cause my girlfriend was like, Oh, look, uh, uh this is really cute, but it's you know, it's it's plastic, so like it's most likely to tear. Yeah. And I was like, and I looked at it, I was like, hey, I can make that. You know, and I, I you know, I, I made it, you know, I made a few things. And, um, it's really more of a challenge to me, you know, like how good, because I'll look at other leather workers and their craftsmanship and I'll be like, holy fuck, that looks so fucking clean. Like a lot of the uh, Japanese leather workers are insanely like good. And like their craftsmanship is impeccable. And I go, I want to get there. How do I get there? This looks so clean. This looks you know, and then I come to realize, oh, this dude's been doing it for like thirty years. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> I'm over here trying to like, oh yeah, maybe I can be that good by the end of the year. When you know, that's not a realistic goal. That's you know, things really like that. Never
0: know. He's done the work, so you can you can learn from the work that he's been doing for thirty years. So yeah, you may, yeah, You may get there.
1: Yeah, I've I've been picking up decently fast. I am um, very critical on certain things I make that I'll just throw away things i'll be like oh this is shit oh the stitch is ugly oh these sides are birdish dumb all the dye is not right and i'll just throw shit away you know what i mean like yeah i won't sell anything i wouldn't buy and then even then i sold a couple things where i like to this day i'm like thinking about it, i was like oh fuck i should just make them a whole brand new one like just
0: just because i it's in my head too much yeah yeah i mean it's good that you have the, the quality control to do that there
1: yeah. 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 It's, it's, and I think that just carries over with everything I've ever done where like, I try to be like, I'm a little like over analytical about shit. You know what I mean? I like, I like pick up myself and go, that looks shitty. You could do that better. Yeah. That could, that could sound better. Uh, That could move better. You could be better. You know, it's always a constant, like just, struggle to like, just be a little bit better than the day
0: before. You know what I mean? And And I try to carry that into everything I do as much as I can. So how did you find, um, you know, writing and recording your last album with your, you know, quality control kind of attitude to, uh, to going about things? Uh, I knew when it came to the music, I knew I
1: wanted it to be, I wanted it to sound like rotting out. know there's a distinct sound that our band has kind of produced and but i wanted to add new elements whether they were brighter or whether they were darker you know i i didn't want to write the rule is don't write the same song twice yeah and sometimes that can happen like you know i'll listen to bands with certain records and i don't know which song is off what record you know and I I just, I don't want that for my band. I'm sure there's some songs that sound like other songs on other records and I haven't made that distinction, but I'm sure maybe someone has. And that's like the one thing that like irks me. Like, Oh, I don't want, I don't want to do that. I don't want a song like street prowl to sound like a song, like unforgiven. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want those to collide and be like, Oh, which song is on which record? You know what I mean?
0: I think this, uh, Um, this record is the most distinctive right now records. Um,
1: and that's because I was very adamant on making it a distinctive record. Like I want this to have a vibe through and through the record. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of that came from the lyrical content that kind of just set this
0: tone Yeah. and this like energy as well. So you've got a lot of lyrics, um, obviously a lot of themes around the idea of a Ronin. So you've got a lot of lyrics, you know, about self-sufficiency, you know, all relating to the idea of a Ronin, which for people that don't know, is like a, it's like a samurai who no longer has a master. So like a drifter or a wanderer. Mm -hmm. So what what about the idea of a Ronin, you know, spoke out to you whilst you were writing the lyrics and uh, writing the record?
1: So, Like I
0: said, I grew up watching
1: like samurai movies and reading like comic books and stuff like that. When I was younger, I didn't really understand what a run. I thought a run was necessarily a bad thing. You know what I mean? You know, you've been kind of like excommunicated or exiled. You know, like at least in some some ways, that's what happens. Um, And so I didn't pay too much attention. As I got older, I understood sometimes that's just the way things are through a series of circumstances and i found myself relating to those characters at a very young age too like just being alone even though i had brother and i had a sister i had trouble connecting with people and i i I still do sometimes it sucks because you try to pretend like you're a social person i try to pretend so much like i'm socially capable of enjoying everybody's company when in reality half the time i'm bullshitting my way through like these small talks just just so i can sound like a regular person just so people be like oh like he's a chill dude you know what i mean and uh most of the time i was like because i can't relate to half the shit people say i don't want it's either i don't care you know like it's not i i understand that understanding people comes with a certain amount of empathy and for some reason and my therapist has told me time and time again that was something that was shut off a long time ago for my own survival you know at least mental uh survival as a young age as i got older i tried my best to kind of grow that empathy it's still difficult at times but with that being said i felt I feel disconnected a lot of the times from people, from situations where like bad things can happen. And I just kind of go, yeah, that's, that's life. Like, what do you want me to, you know, instead of going, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, like I, I feel for you. That's not my reaction. Like that, at least that's not my instinctive reaction. I know that's what I should say. And I do say, it, and sometimes it's rehearsed, but the reality is somebody be like, Oh my God, like, My grandmother died. Yeah. That's what old people do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's normal. That's a very normal thing, but you know, that's, that's how I, that's how it plays in my head. You know, when my mother dies, my brother dies, I go, yeah, like that's, that's what's supposed to happen. You know, that's a thing that is inevitable and it's the most inevitable thing there. There's nothing else that is certain, but death Yeah. So for, for me at a young age, I kind of accepted that, you know, I accepted that this is normal. This is a normal thing. So I don't want to say it was skewed, but I just looked at it a little differently. I didn't look at it like a terrible event. I didn't look at death as a terrible thing because it happens to everybody. It's a part of the process
0: and it's as human as being born. So you're always kind of grounded by the, the reality of the situation.
1: Yeah. So accepting something like that, like, I mean, death is the biggest loss, you know, in reality, that's, you lose it all, everything. So now when, I can accept something like that. I also accept everything below that. You know what I mean? Cool. I go to school. I didn't get the grades I wanted. That's something I can control. So I don't go, oh, I failed. I go, I can control this. How do I do this better? Yeah. You know, or I go in for a workout. My body's not feeling it. Okay. Why is my body feeling this way? I can control this. I can do this better. You know, or. Somebody leaves me. I can't control the decision. I can control the parts I'm responsible for, hoping this doesn't happen again. Yeah. I can get better, you know. Um, But with that being said, going back to being disconnected and the relationship to LeBronin, it's easier to be alone for people like me at least for someone like me, it's easier to be alone. I don't have the responsibility of anybody else's emotions. I don't have to worry about people leaving me or hurting me. Anything that happens is at my own hand. And for either I earned it or I lost it by my means, you know, I'm responsible. I can't blame anybody else for it. And um, so it's kind of easy to walk around like that, unfortunately for me. Um, The hard part is, Keeping my relationships with people, you know, like sustaining good relationships. Um, I was so drawn to chaos for so long because that's all I knew as a young kid Yeah, that I would get into relationships and because they were chaotic. Because that's what I correlated, correlated love with. My parents, they would always argue. I assumed that was love. You know, oh, that they're in love. Oh, they're always arguing. Oh, they're always cheating on each other. Oh, they're always yelling. Oh, they hit each other. So these are the things that I did not like that I assumed being in a relationship was. Yeah. And so that's also something that would keep me away from a relationship. you would like, oh, why would I want to be in a relationship? Fuck that. Like, you know, I go back to the first example of a relationship to me. Yeah. So something like being alone and... uh kind of just wandering on your own it just one it does gives you this gratifying sense of independence but two it is an inevitably a a lonely place to be you know and you 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 can get comfortable in that loneliness and that's not always a good thing and so writing the record i needed to what was going on like with me and my life and uh, everything up until that point
0: yeah uh, can you hear me still? Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's interesting that you like, you, um, you know, you, you refer to, you know, how you feel about isolation and stuff as a, as a negative thing. But I mean, if that's, you know, the way that you feel comfortable, um, Oh, oh! oh I'm not saying it's negative. No, no, no. I'm saying it can be. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm saying it, it it definitely can be, you know, like imagine me getting so comfortable with always being by myself that trying to relate with somebody who is like social and you know very more extrovert and i just you know in my head i just go why (laughs) you know like what you got there's too much energy here you could be using that energy for something else, you know, but I'm not understanding the fact that this person is a social person. They like being social. That's, it's their choice. It's not a bad thing. You know, it's yeah. a, probably a good thing, you know, but you find that support, you find that, uh, that connection with other people, you know? So there is a lot of positive things about being an extrovert, you know, it's just those positive things weren't reinforced to me at a young age. It's kind of hard to undo 30 years of that within the last like three, four years, you know? Yeah. So isolation, it's healthy and it, you know, it's good for someone to learn how to be happy with their, you know, their own presence and, you know, in their own comfort. And, um, but it can also kind of make you feel even more distant than all the things around you and all the people around you. And just kind of like things start to feel foreign, you know what I mean? Even some emotions start to feel foreign, you know, like, You know, imagine a friend just telling you they love you, you know, and they miss you, but you don't feel that way because you just got so used to being alone that you never even thought about it. Yeah. You know, do I miss my friends? Do I love my friends? Well, I guess I do, you know, and then you go, well, why didn't I think about that?
0: Yeah. You have the guilt guilt of not thinking that.
1: Yeah. And I just go, huh? yeah, I, yeah, I love you too, but I don't know. I just didn't feel compelled to say it. You know, I just didn't think it mattered, you know, yeah. but everyone's different. It's never right nor wrong. It's just kind of finding those healthy boundaries to like keep yourself from like going to one extreme or the other, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, that fully relates back to the idea of a rodent as well, because, you know, they were, they were separated from their masters and they would just, you know, walk the road alone, pave the way for themselves, and, you know, there's a lot of lyrics on the record that, you know, speak in in that kind of way about things. So I can, you know, the the themes are real clear with this record. So you know, when you're talking about it being distinctive. Yeah. That is a distinctive factor.
1: Yeah. And I want to talk about on the record, the things that were very intimate to me, you know, um, you know, there's the song Prisoner, you know, that's a very, very, To me, at least it was very clear cut what that song was about. It was about my PTSD and kind of learning to accept it. You know, I was in such denial for so long of what was actually wrong with me. I go, oh, I didn't go to war. That didn't happen to me. I, I don't have those things. There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah, I went through some shit. Oh, well, you know, that's life. It happens to everybody. But then, when you get diagnosed with those things, it kind of changes everything. It becomes yours, you know, like, and it's not something that goes away, unfortunately. Um, it's just something you learn to manage. Yeah. You know, and then there's, you know, the song like Unforgiven, where I, as a child, I felt responsible for all the bad things that were happening around me. Like, I couldn't be that superhero, you know, I couldn't be the one to save the day. You know, so I blamed myself, even though none of it was my fault. And as an adult, I understand none of it was my fault. It was all be- beyond my control. Yeah. But that guilt had sank so deep in there
2: that yeah, I that felt like. Those
0: years. Oh.
1: Yeah, that, that I felt like I couldn't forgive myself for the things I think I should have done, which I had no power doing to begin with. So it's like this weird, you know, like what's uh you're, you're it's like writing the rights of like ghosts that aren't even yours you yeah. know what i mean like you're trying to you're, you're apologizing for fixing for not being able to fix a problem that someone else was responsible for you know um that you had no control in whatsoever to begin with you know and i didn't realize a lot of people could resonate with that feeling you yeah. know, uh, it's just to me something, you know, I I can't listen to that record too much. Uh, like, I'll go back and revisit it every, like, few months and be like, oh, like, damn, this was a good record. Like, I'm stoked. I'm very happy I wrote this record. But I can't, I can't, I can't. I just, it's, it was one of those things where, like, I'll play it live and that's, yeah. I'll leave it there.
0: You know what I mean? You kind of feel um, like you've, you know, you've, like, exercised your demons and there they are. Like, they're in that record. And that's maybe why you did
1: exercising your demons is a weird term for me. It's think, think about a demon or whatever your experiences. And they're kind of constantly strangling you. Right. Yeah. With the situation now, it's, they're not so much strangling me. They're just kind of sitting next to me now. And we're all just kind of sitting there and we know we both exist and we know we're all, we're not going away. And that's kind of what that is. Yeah. You've, you learn to cooperate with them, you know? Um, Because, you know, unfortunately they are the reason why I write the way I write, you know, my that's that's the reality of things, you know, like I have to tap into those things. I have to grab them by the hand when I, go into a place of creativity, you know what I mean? Like, and it's unfortunate, but you know, it's, it's, it's also helped me build my character. You know, it's, it's shaped the way I am. Like every bad experience, every failure, every sense of feeling where I tried to be good enough that though it's not the feeling but it's the process that made me who I am now. It's, you know, it's, it's me wanting to just going back to just trying to be better, yeah. going back to th- trying to think better about myself, trying to treat myself kinder, trying to go back to not being that seven-year-old boy anymore. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's really, that's, you know, for most of my life, I was just an insecure person. You know, if I'm big enough, no one will hurt me. If I'm loud enough, no one can raise their voice to me you know if i'm more aggressive no one's even going to dare to step to me you know and that
0: that's, that's all out of insecurity man you know and for 30 years that's what that was you know yeah, it's, and, it's cool that you you know you've you seem to understand what it is you know that ails you like you are never going to be able to get past something unless you you know you understand what it is it's the kind of the idea of knowing your enemy so
2: yeah
1: yeah yeah um that's basically it knowing exactly what the enemy does what it's trying to do and learning to live that they're not going anywhere they will exist and you know people be like oh well you know you gotta leave all that stuff behind and some of it won't just some of it will never go away some of it just won't get left behind all the things we refuse to speak of, you know, all the things. There's a lot of people out there that there's things that they're going to take to the grave, whether it was things that happened to them or things they did. They're going to take it to the grave. They're not going to tell fucking nobody, not not their parents, not their best friend, not their lover, not their therapist. They're going to take that shit to the grave. And, you know, I, I feel some of that. And so there's certain things that just will not leave. It's really can you live with them? You know, can you can you? Can face you Can you sit next to it? Yeah. You know, can you, can you look it in the eyes and go, okay, I'm okay with this. I'm not okay with what I did or with what happened, but I know it's, I know what, what it did to me. And I know I can't give it that power, but I know you won't leave. There's a difference between sitting next to something and letting it have power over you. You know, just like um, think of a group project you do in school. You know what I mean? You can only do so much, but you're not going to let one teammate, you know, determine what your grade is going to be to the fullest extent because you're going to do your best to yeah. not let them steer you in the wrong direction. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah.
0: yeah, it goes back to the idea of what you're saying about, you know, how you, you, you worry about the things that are in your control. So yeah. if, you, if you're talking about things, you know, things that happen to you, they already happened. So what can you do now to accept and, you know, like we said, coexist with, you know, the uh, the things that ail you? Yeah. And, you know, I come to grips, I've,
1: I've came to grips with realizing that maybe the worst isn't behind me. Maybe something down the road is going to happen that's going to hurt so much more than everything behind me and you know how do you prepare for something like that and you really don't you really instead of trying to swim against the current you try to ride it yeah you know what i mean like you're gonna have your ups and you're gonna have your downs you know your highs and lows and you know think oh what do they call it uh peaks and valleys right yeah ebb and flow, your peaks and valleys, you know, but even in the even in the valleys, there's still water. you know what I mean? So it's not certain death for the most part, you know it's it isn't death itself unless it is, and you know once again, that's a part of everything, you know, so it's like even if the worst is around the corner, you understand that there's still that possibility that you can maintain and you can still push through. And if it breaks you it breaks you. Some I don't know why people are so afraid of that. Yeah. You know, I don't know why people are so afraid of being hurt. Yeah, you know, it it sucks and it lingers but like I guess it only hurts so much if you don't take anything from it. That's really it. You know, it's like every fucking sports game. Of course there's a chance you're going to lose. Yeah. You know, every time you go out there, but you fucking go out there. With the possibility that knowing you might get fucking embarrassed, or you might get hurt, or that might be your last fucking game, but you go out there, you know,
0: and you know you just tomorrow's gonna show up. Yeah, and I mean, if you do lose, you know, you can then think you why, tried. Why did I lose? And yeah, what? Yeah, you tried at you least. Tr- you tried, you know, because I rather
1: try and fail than beat myself over the head wondering. What if maybe I should have tried? Oh, well, what if, what if I, what if that day I did that instead? You know, you're going to kick yourself. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather just do it and go, oh man, that sucked. Yeah. But, I, but I know the outcome now I could keep going. I don't have to keep looking back. You know, I could just keep going now. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's people always think that being a coward is being afraid and then, no i don't i don't believe that what what whatsoever i think being a coward is not making that attempt to begin with yeah you know cuz being afraid is normal that's that's normal man uh just cuz fear comes with the uncertainty of what's going to happen you know and that's that's for a lot of people um but i think to me I'd ruin myself more over the fact that I didn't make the attempt, you know, and uh, that's all you can do. All you can do is fucking try. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So when you, you know, when you were writing Ronan, how much of it was, was you wanting to spread the messages you were talking about and how much of it was just a therapeutic, this records for me kind of attitude.
1: Every record is for me.
0: I've never
1: written a song in hopes that it could reach somebody that's my job is not to try to connect with people or tell people how to live or what's right or wrong. I have these things that have happened to me or these things that I feel and I put them down on paper, wrong, not right, not either, or just what is, you know what I mean? And if somebody connects with that, that's awesome. You know, that's, that's, that's spectacular. You know, you know, that wasn't my intention, but that's good. I know that that is a possibility, especially with people that like music and like our band. That is because I do touch on certain topics that, you know, most hardcore bands don't really talk about. And so I know that it might be something revealing for somebody. But for me, it's I need to get this out of me. You know, I'm I've been choking on some of these songs for so long that I can't I can't. I just can't anymore. I got to put this on paper. And uh, one of those songs was uh, Boy. Boy was uh, that song. It was that song that I refused to write for so long. Yeah. You know, like, oh, cool. Like, I wrote something like Iron Jawed Angel, right? And and people are like, oh, wow, like, that's a very deep song and very emotional song. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Uh, but to me, that was, okay, I'll give them something. Like that, so I don't have to talk about this, so I don't have to open this, so they think this is the worst of it, yeah. and then this doesn't ever have to get touched or even looked at because I don't want to look at it, and uh, and it, you know it was just seeping through my pores at that point, and I just like this has to, it was the first song that was written off Ronin, um, <laughs> which is funny because that basically means the record started from the end to the beginning.
0: Yeah, it's cool though. Um so how like how, how scared were you to put out a song like that then that had so much emotional significance to you? We you... I wasn't
1: I wasn't scared anymore. At that point, I was so tired of it. Like not tired of tired in the sense that like of writing, but tired of that feeling. Yeah, you know, of that being so afraid that something like sexual trauma was Such an oppressing feeling, you know what I mean? Like, like it altered your identity in some sort of way. It altered how you feel about yourself, you know, how, how, you know, how you can trust, you know, it's something, you know, and like, you know, I'm, I, I understand I was a child and that it was beyond my control. But it left me feeling like I did something wrong to deserve that, you know? And and that's a fucked up feeling, you know, for like a seven, eight year old kid to think that something so horrendous was, you brought it on yourself, you know? And and it was that feeling. And, and, you know, as an adult, I know now that that wasn't the case and that's not the case for anybody who's been sexually assaulted, Um, even as adults, especially children, of course but, um, it was, I think it was necessary. You know, I told myself this is necessary. You have to get this out. This is the reason why you feel alone 90% of the time, most of your life. You know what I mean? And, you know, it goes back to Ronan, you know what I mean? Like my mother loved me. My stepfather wasn't a kind man. And, uh, but as much as my mother loved me, my mother was also lost in her, you know, abuse with yeah. her, uh, her, her husband. So you know she was as broken, if not broken, more than I was. You know what I mean? So it's you like to think of your parents as heroes, and then you know when things don't go out right, you you get angry at them. You know, but you you got to come to grips with they're just human. And you know, my mother had me when she was seventeen, so she didn't even know what the fuck she was doing, man yeah you know so it's so easy for me to be angry at everybody and you know i have every right to be angry at everybody because i i shouldn't be enduring the certain things that happened to me and still feeling alone into my late 20s you know what i mean um but writing that song kind of like released that valve you know released that pressure that had been building over the years and uh, uh, being the first song written, set, uh, you know, kind of set the tone for the record. Be like, okay, we're not holding anything back now. Yeah. Like, this is it. Anything that comes out of your mouth is
0: complete honesty, whether you like it or not. And that's me talking to myself, you know. It's you know, cool it's, that you, that like the darkest, the darkest song for you could bring out such, you know, uh, I don't know, positive feelings, You know, of you know, like you said, you had to get it out and it would the the subject matter had been you know you've been struggling with for ages and you had to get it out there it's cool that through you know the darkest lyrics you can write you can alleviate some of that feeling yeah yeah um
1: i don't know if i would use the term cool i think i would just it was time it was long overdue that's really what it was it was just it was so long overdue you know um where they say secrets make you sick. And that's the, the, you know, with this, that was very much the case. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's not a happy song, you know, front to back. That song is just not happy. Cause even at the end of the song, there's really no turnaround. There's not, Oh wow. But this happened kind of like in movies where it, you, you get the introduction, you get the antagonist, Then you get this quiet before the storm, and then you get this climax to a good ending, you know, or an iconic ending. In this case, this song had been written when I was seven, essentially, you know what I mean? So that ending was not a good one. It's like, oh, okay, because of all this, now I'm kind of destined to just feel this way forever. Which felt like forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that story being written as a... In the perspective of, like, a few years after that happened. Yeah. You know? That's If anybody was ever curious, uh, that wasn't written by an
0: adult. That was written by a 10-year-old boy. Yeah. You were right you writing know, it. You sadly know. enough. How long you know, um, was the writing process for the album? Because uh, you reformed in 2018, am I right? So had you started writing this album, you know, a long time before? or In two... No, we wrote a song, that song Reaper,
1: at the end of 2018, December. Yeah. And it got released that in January 2019. And then... We knew we were going to tour with Knock Loose in October, September, October. And so that August, no, that July, we decided to start writing. So July of 2019, we started writing. We went into the studio December, 2019, late November. No, yeah. Late November, early December. Um, Not a single lyric was written until we recorded all the music. I have a tendency to really hold off on that because I don't want lyrical content to affect writing music because then I start to get confused and I start to jumble things around and, you know, I have an idea in my head with lyrics and, oh, it could go in this song. And then when it comes to it, I was like, oh, that's not going to work. Yeah. So I rather just kind of like have a good foundation of music. And then when I listen to the music, I try to f- figure out what feeling it's summoning, um, whether it's the chord progression or, or the way it's structured. Um, and, um, and then I'll add the lyrics to that. With Boy, the lyrics came, f- the, the idea of the lyrics came first. So I knew what that song was gonna be about before we wrote it. So I was like, this needs to be talked about, you know, and whatever the topic is. What does that feel like? And what does that sound like? And that's why that song is very kind of like dark and moody and s- basically slow all the way through. Yeah, yeah. Up until it picks up a little bit at the end. And so I knew, okay, that's that's the idea. And then we'd go into you know band
0: practice and be like, okay, let's write this song. Okay. So you told the the um the band you know what is going to be about before you'd started um mm, yes and no um
1: you know I kind of loosely be like hey this is going to be a very traumatic song for me so I kind of want this to be a little darker and slower you know okay and they go and obviously they know all the other songs I've written before and they could you know kind of have an idea of like how the lyrics contrast the song as well yeah um so and then But for the most part, I've done the same writing process lyrically for every record or every song. I sit in my car at the end of this, uh, there's a place called Sunken City in San Pedro where like the town's kind of eroding into the ocean. So you get slabs of like concrete and like, which used to be streets. So they're all fucked up and, you know, a bunch of people tag on them and whatnot. It's basically like just the cliffs now right with like yeah. slabs of concrete everywhere and curbs and so i'd go there because i used to go there a lot when i was a kid which it would just kind of not be good at home and uh and i i would go what songs are we recording tomorrow and i just kind of just write pen and paper It's everything has always been done in pen and paper uh and I reread it and reread it. And then I just go, okay, cool. I try to not force things. Um, but at the same time I also try to tell the story or at least try to paint a story. Um, and hopefully, you know, that's what people get, you know, outside from it being in my head. And then that, you know, that took a few weeks, um, cause I kept blowing my voice out and recording and, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So it took about two months total to record with like five months prior to writing. Yeah.
0: And were you able to play anything off it or were you in lockdown pretty much when you released it?
1: We played one, two, three songs. We played three songs off that record with before the record was released. So okay. uh, we were on tour with the Acacia Strain before it got shut down and like canceled in the middle of it. And we would interchange three songs. So like we'd play a new song every night, but it'd be a different song depending on the town. <clears throat> yeah. We would play, uh, we play visceral, unforgiven. I feel like there was another one. Oh, and uh, Prisoner. Yeah. yeah. Reaper was always on the set list because we didn't realize how good of a song that was going to be for us, for people to react the way they reacted to that. So that was awesome. Um, So that was on the set list to begin with. But uh, those were the songs we, you know, and they were fun to play. It would have been cool if people knew what song, like what the songs were, you know, prior. But no one expected COVID to do what it did
2: in every country
0: how was it for you releasing you know that record? you released it in march so were you in lockdown in march or were you it in- was yeah. it was released in
1: april april and so honestly i think it just got overshadowed by the pandemic you know like i mean which rightfully so that's a fucking global disaster basically yeah and um you know no one no one gives a fuck about what's being released what movies are coming out what music's coming out who's doing what you know everybody's like oh my god what's happening yeah. You know, this is in China, this is in Europe, this is in the UK, this is in Canada, this is in America. This is everywhere. Like what's happening? So no one's going to care about what's being released. You know, there's bigger fish to fry, you know, yeah. at the time. Um and I think that's happened to every record since then. You know, like I don't think at least with hardcore, I don't think any bands have been getting the recognition they deserve. No, I agree. Being, because of what's been happening yeah you know not saying we deserve the recognition but i'm talking about like other bands like especially up-and-coming bands it's hard for a band to grow a new band to grow when they're not playing shows yeah you know you hear a record and it's it's cool but sometimes it's a live show that sells you and you go oh yeah this sounds way better live it just sounds the energy is better this is real or it goes the other way around where you're like, Oh my God, this record's so good. Then you watch the band. You're like, wow, this is fucking boring. You know? Um, so the fact that there's literally no hardcore punk scene right now, it's, it's that I don't consider online, you know, whatever it's happening. I don't consider that to be part of the scene. I think it's a tool, you know, a, a very vital tool to hardcore and punk, you know, to be able to share things so fast and whatnot. But like, you know, the meat and potatoes of it all is the shows. Yeah. That's what it is. You know, it's it's the interaction with band and audience. That's what it is. You know what I mean? Like, and if there's none of that, there's basically no scene. You know, it's like, what do you,
0: how? Like, how do you even interact? Like. Yeah. I mean, it can't be the than... scene, can it? Because then, you know, if it's on the internet, everybody is, is present. In the Yeah. Everybody's part of, part of, the... Part of the scene. Yeah. And, you, you know, know, Johnny from London can chime in on, you know, people from LA's scene, like
1: it's... Yeah, some random dude from fucking Vice thinking he went to a show because yeah. he reviewed some fucking, like, Marauder record. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, I think this record is like, you've never even been to a show, like, fuck off. You know, and, and you know, it also sucks for, like, <clears throat> young kids, like, 15-year-old kids like you know who are good at the internet and they they're finding these cool bands they've never heard of. You know, obviously there's the bands you find on the internet that you'll never see. You know what I mean like bands from like the 90s and stuff like that. You're like, "Man, like that sounds so cool. Like I wish I was around for that." But even bands that are together now, they can't even see. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't have that opportunity anymore. Like it it's it's it sucks. So like you know, imagine the kid that does need it. You know, I was that kid. I was the kid that needed to go to shows. I was, it saved my fucking life. You know, like imagine that kid that doesn't have that access right now. That just stumbled upon the hardcore scene because of the pandemic. You know, they saw some kid retweet some shit or repost some stuff. And they're like, oh, what is that? Oh, it's, you know, oh, that kid goes to hardcore shows. Oh, what's that? You know, he looks into it more and he goes, oh my God, like this is what I was looking for. This is exactly what I've been looking for. I couldn't put a name to it. I couldn't put a sound to it, but this is it. And they find it, and they go, wait, I can't go to these things.
0: I yeah, can just what do wa- I do with this?
1: Yeah, I can just watch this. You know, you see fest footage and 856 videos and stuff like that, which, you know, like, it's a fucking awesome thing. But, like, it's almost like this big cock tease, yeah. you know, like, it's just like you're going, "All this is perfect. All this is amazing. All this is fucking gorgeous and beautiful. And I can't touch it. You know, and you just go, ugh. Like, okay, well, I guess I'll just wait. You know, You know, hopefully, people
0: don't have to wait too much longer. I mean, hardcore is a genre of music that is, you know, you, it's there to, for it's there for the live shows. So people that are finding these bands, you can think of all the bands they're probably missing out on because a lot of hardcore just makes sense live more than it does. On, yeah, on Spotify. So honestly, like hardcore, all the songs produced
1: are meant to be played live. Every single song, and if it's not, I don't know what the fuck you're doing, wasting your time. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a song we wrote that I wouldn't play live. You know, um may not get the reaction we want, whatever, but doesn't mean that that song wasn't written to be played live. Yeah. And uh, then you're, you're very right about it being uh it, it's, it's, you need all your senses to enjoy this, you know, fully, whether you're at the show and someone's bumping into you because people are going wild on one side of the you know stage or the pit or whatever, or you're watching your head, you know what I mean? Or even if you're just in the back and you're kind of out of harm's way, you could still feel that energy. Like yeah. you, there's bands that I don't like, and I'll go to their shows because you know, it's like I go to support bands and I go to support my friends who book these shows. And you know, sometimes I just don't care about the bands that are playing, and uh, you know, but I'll go and then I'll watch a band, and I'll go, Holy shit, I can feel this right now! Like, yeah, because all the kids love this band, and you know, that's awesome, that means they're doing something right. And the fact that I'm a bystander who's not even interested in the band, doesn't really like the band to begin with, I could still feel that energy. You know, when I go, oh, my God, like, this is crazy. Yeah, it's still something to enjoy. Yeah, it's still like, okay, like, ah, that's that's why this is so special. Because I don't even have to like this band, you know, previously seeing them before and previously, like, listening to them. And yet I could still have this effect. You know, I could still have this, like, this, this uh, kind of energy just vibrate through the room and, you know, come in contact with it as well, you know, just being in the back of the room. So I think that's why something like hardcore is so unique when it comes to uh, the live shows, you know what I mean? Granted people come and go and whatnot, you know, there's just people that have been here forever, you know, I'm not saying some people care about it more than others, but you know, it's, it's undeniable that this is such a unique scene, you know? Um, I've been to indie shows. I've been to metal shows and it's, it ain't the fucking same, man. It just ain't, you know, Mm. I love metal bands. You know what I mean? Like, but that energy has just gets at a hardcore show is always turned up three, four notches more, you know? And it's, 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 spectacular when when that right band that right crowd and that right show like that lineup oh man people will talk about it all the time like you know years to come but oh remember this gig oh my god you know And just you were just stoked to be there and now it becomes this iconic thing down the line you know whether it was this fest and this band set or this show at this club that no longer exists you know things like that or Oh, that one time so and so came through and they played at uh, Jimmy's Garage and it was like packed to the brim and everybody just went buck wild before the cops showed up. Like those, those, that energy transcends into every fucking room, no matter how big. And that's that's the beauty of it. That's why hardcore is so fucking cool. Because watching Cannibal Corpse in a garage, as cool as that may sound. I don't think it's that fucking cool. I don't think it would be that fucking cool, honestly.
2: Yeah, it, you know what I it mean. It Wouldn't be
0: the same, that's for sure. No, 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 no. Like it would just wouldn't be
1: the same. You know, I want to see a bunch of fucking fat old white dudes headbanging their, you know, their life out at, yeah. in you know in, in some fucking big venue. You know, you're not gonna get that same effect in a garage. Then that's why hardcore is cool because you can get that same effect in every place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so there's that. So, say you could take a, a a new a new writing out fan, someone who's checked out Ronan, really likes it. Oh, what? Hasn't a, a new Running out fan out. Oh, out fan. Um, okay. You could take one. They've never been to a writing out show, and you can celebrate the album coming out. Uh, what lineup would you craft and put together for that person to? to really showcase the the live show to them well i'm from los angeles so
1: it would be all los angeles california bands and it would have to be pretty diverse because you don't want to see the same fucking band 10 times you know you don't want to you don't want to hear the same breakdown in five different sets you know which I take a lot of pride in knowing we don't sound like the other bands in Los Angeles. Not saying they all sound the same, but I'm glad that Twitching Tongues doesn't sound like Terror, who doesn't sound like downpresser, who doesn't sound like Rotting Out, who doesn't sound like Internal Affairs, who doesn't sound like Vamachara, et cetera. You know what I mean? Like these are all bands from the same vicinity and we sound nothing alike, which is why I'm so proud to be from Los Angeles. But my lineup, I guess it would be it would be rotting out zabalba start from the bottom it'd be let me think
0: i think you broken up then
1: it'd be it'd be very basic you know i wouldn't even know what order to put them in but it'd be can oh, no, i can hear, hear you yeah i can hear you again now okay sorry yeah i wouldn't even know what order to put it in but i know it would probably be zabalba criminal instinct piece by piece um downpresser and soul search and rotting out yeah so and i think i think people would drive out of state for it you know what i mean i think people would come in from other states just for soul search you know yeah. and it's it was cool like being doing our first tour together with them like when i started singing and rotting out and, you know playing show yeah so I, th- I think I think that that would be the lineup because C- then this kid can get like you know that very traditional hardcore sound that like criminal instinct provides you know what I mean um and then you get like heavy hitters like Zabalba you know and soul search and downpresser then you get more like punk like piece by piece and stuff like that and like rotting out so you get this, kind of buffet of different sounds and that way you, every band you watch is distinctive from the next
0: yeah um cool i'll just ask you one more and then we'll um leave it there if that's cool with you yeah no worries man um going back to the idea of being distinctive you know i've always considered you as one of the the most distinctive voices in hardcore um you know up, up there with Throwdown, bane um, which, which era throwdown Uh, like 2003 onwards 2002 onwards so haymaker oh, oh dave peters dave okay peters. i'm a keith barney fan
1: uh throwdown is the reason i basically got into hardcore and, 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 and into straight edge so, yeah but that's that's because of somebody like keith barney uh the first
0: singer of throwdown uh, but that's just my opinion. What do, I do you know? not like the the Haymaker onwards? It, I like Haymaker. It just
1: took me on a different route. It was yeah. a different atmosphere. It was more of a hate breed vibe. Than yeah, definitely. Than a traditional throwdown vibe.
0: But that record is good too. Um, but anyways, uh, you said. So just talking about like how you know your voice is distinctive you know was when you when you first go on went on to vocals for the bands instead of playing bass was the distinctiveness something you you tried or was it just a natural you know kind of vibe to your voice that's a good question actually um because i think that you're you know like you said how you like to, you know, you really take your lyrics seriously, and the themes that are in the lyrics. I think with Out it's, it's quite clear what you're singing about because of how your voice is, so you know, really cuts through, and it is so distinctive. Was that, was that I've... on purpose, or? And I think you broke up again. I think. You hear me. Uh, Hello? Yeah, I can hear you again. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you okay. Hear you? Sorry, it's
1: my internet. I think, so, no, no worries. Um, I think when I first started singing, I didn't know what I was aiming for, but I did know I wanted to have the same energy, not sound, but same energy as some of my favorite front men. So it was like Cro-Mags, John Joseph. um. HR from the Bad Brains, yeah. um, Henry Rollins, you know what I mean? And for the most part, outside of like HR, uh, you could kind of understand what everybody was saying. You know what I mean? Like it's all the Cro-Mag songs. You could, everything's pretty clearly for the most part, you know, lyrically yeah. the way he sang Henry Rollins. You could always understand all, like all the Black Flag songs, what he was saying. Um, but I knew... I wanted it to be a little bit more aggressive and like harder. So I think it slowly evolved into, I listen to street prowl and I go, Oh, like, mm. not a big fan of my voice there. Uh, but it did what I wanted it to do. You know what I mean? Like it cut through clean and like angry and very angsty. Yeah. And then the wrong way we had been touring so much that my voice got stronger. So I liked my vocals a lot on the wrong way and on, on, uh, on reckoning um on the new one i hadn't sang in so long so my voice kind of went up in pitch
0: yeah it changed i think it's your yeah it's it, your it, best honestly um the, the new album oh really yeah
1: i i didn't it, i didn't know what to do so i was just like i mean i'm not gonna force it you know what i mean like so i just i just went with it and um and uh but yeah like every record sounds a little bit different than the next or the last and uh but i don't think like naturally i have a very low voice so the fact that my voice cuts in very sharp in like when i scream is just kind of funny to me but i don't know i think i just honestly i was probably just shooting for like the early john Zo- joseph shit for gromax like age of coral is one of my favorite records and i thought oh that's cool it has such good style and whatnot you know what i mean um you're from the uk did you ever hear a band they're from europe or belgium to be exact a band called true colors
2: um,
0: how old, how old are you 23 oh yeah no you definitely weren't no I, I think uh, i heard true. the name Who was true, they have, well, it's like, a played? very
1: uh everybody at the time um they were more of like a youth crew band Okay. Very youth, of, very youth of today, which is, was another inspiration for me. Yeah. Very much like youth of today and stuff like that. So it was like kind of like if Belgium had a youth of today, it would have been True Colors. Um, and the way he, both actually both singers, the way they would manipulate the vocals, you know, like they do like the growls and stuff like that. Like I thought was so fucking cool. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, you know, it's not like most hard singers where it's just you know yeah. and you just kind of like kind of gets a little redundant after a while depending on like the band yeah, you know um yeah you for today have that like sharpness to it yeah and you... it, like and you could tell he was pissed Yeah, you can tell by his singing that it was like obviously he was like pushing but it was like a true like this motherfucker was mad you knew he was mad you know, and it was cool that he was singing about shit that really mattered to him and still have like that ferocity and, you know, and then you'd watch those videos and like those old like 1989 videos and shit like that. And you're just like, oh, my God, this is the fucking coolest thing ever. Um, uh, but yeah, that's that's probably where the inspiration came from. So like a lot of those New York bands like youth of today and, and uh, Side by Side and Cro-Mags shit like that, I took a lot of inspiration from, you know, and, yeah. and energy wise, too, because. John Joseph and Ray Kappa were just fucking like these explosions when they were on stage. So I told myself, like every night, you got to go a hundred and ten percent. He's like, you know, even if I sound like shit, I gotta just push, 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 push. You know, and um, you know, I, I did my best to, to do that uh, to at least replicate what they did because that's what I love seeing. So like, why would I give anything less than you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you can definitely hear it on on Ronan. I think it's probably the most range you've had in your, in your vocals. I can hear it anyway. It sounds, you know, each song kind of hits a little bit differently because of the way you did the vocals on the, on the album, in my opinion, anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's like these little slight harmonies here and there, you know, things like that. Unforgiven.
0: Definitely. You can hear that a lot. Yeah.
1: Unforgiven. And, uh, um, what song is that? Oh, visceral. Yeah. Like, in that middle part and like the bridge, like there's like little harmonies and stuff like that, you know? And then there's some songs that you just don't need it, you know, where like it's a song like boy, a song like a uh, prisoner, you know what I mean? Like these, where they're just angry. Like there's like chop to the point, no fat, like this is what it is. This is what it's about. And you know, there it is. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was weird. Like listening to that record and be like, wow, my voice got higher.
0: I didn't think that was possible, but okay, like, yeah, know, it is what it's, it is. It's interesting how that happens. I I don't know how you how voices work. Honestly, it's such a strange like thing that you can just. I think it was because I stopped touring
1: and I didn't play shows for ages. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh I got arrested in 2016, and I didn't play a show till like 2018. You know and that was just one show that wasn't consistent touring when you're screaming yeah. every night it definitely changes the tone of your voice and like the strength and like how much um how much power you can push behind it you know what I mean yeah uh, so maybe that was a contributor honestly i don't i don't really know but I'm okay with what came out nice
0: uh thanks man that was a that was that was fun talking to you um oh always man uh, appreciate you coming on. When was the last time you got interviewed? Um, I spoke to um, <laughs> Alex from the band, the Icon, the other day, and he said it was weird being interviewed after so long. I got
1: interviewed like three weeks ago, but yeah. it was for powerlifting, like oh, okay, completely different genre, you know, because like a lot of, I, I don't know if a lot of powerlifters listen to Running up, but I am sure they're familiar with it and stuff like that but apparently you know apparently it people were familiar and that was cool that i could talk about something outside of hardcore you know something else that's been a part of my life for like the last 10 years um and uh you know it was it was it was refreshing i always love talking about hardcore and riding out and stuff like that just because i've it's been such a big part of my life you know so it's always cool to especially when people have cool questions like you know if me picking my voice was a distinct decision, like I've never been asked that. So that was cool. That was like, oh, wow. Like,
0: Yeah. I, um, yeah. I read through loads of interviews earlier, made sure I didn't ask anything that you've already been asked.
1: Yeah. 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 So it, it's cool. Like it's, 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 it's refreshing, honestly. And it beats doing email interviews, which I think I have like three pending in my emails. I just, I know I'm not going to do them. So sorry, you know, sorry guys, but <laughs> they're not going to get done because I don't want to sit there and type.
0: Yeah. And you like, can just craft your answer too you well then as well. I think
1: like not even that, like me, I don't like typing. So I'm just going to be like, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. We went there. That was very fun. You know, like it's, there's, there's such a, at least for me, interviews like that are typed out, have lacked so much personality um that i think you get more from hearing like hearing people speak and even the way they say things like you you know i could say you know oh that was a really fun show but i'd be like yo that was a fun show yeah and then you 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 see the emphasis in the way i felt about that show and everything you don't get that in a zine yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's unfortunate. So like you don't. That you just don't. So I think that's why. I like technology with like these video interviews. I think they're so much cooler. Yeah. You know, you could see the person. You could talk to them. You ha- you have more of a focus. You know what I mean? And like a re- you build this relationship with the interviewer.
0: Yeah, and, that's why uh, I put my camera on because this isn't. This won't be. This will be on like Spotify and stuff. But it's nice to actually look at someone once you're talking to them. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually been thinking about doing a podcast because. There's a couple topics I've always wanted to ask some of my favorite frontmen, current yeah. and old. And doing these podcasts in the last couple of months, it's just like, damn, like I should just do it, you know. And I got a couple of dudes lined up. I just need to figure out the tech part of it, you know, like transferring. Like I even bought a fucking like good podcast mic just because, like, all right, oh, nice. just t- to motivate me to like go do it, dude. This was only like a hundred bucks at like Best Buy, and it's awesome um and uh so maybe like it'll push me into gear to like do the interviews that i want to do with the people i've always wanted to hear speak you know what i mean like it's cool like people want to know what i've been through or or what motivates me or you know the creative process to my band and stuff like that but like yo i have those same questions for like other dudes that you know i grew up listening to and stuff like that you know and for me it's I've always wanted to ask specific questions about like, okay, this song, that moment, where were you, you know, in your life, why this song? And then people go, Oh shit, you know, it's a very personal song. I want to know. I like knowing the backstory to specific songs, you know, because specifically to songs that were so relevant to me as a kid, you know, like, like something that just, there's gotta be a song that you listen to. And immediately, when the song was over, you replayed it. You go, I need to hear that again, you know, because you heard something in there lyrically that just grabbed you by the shirt. And you were just like, I got to go back. I got to go back to what that was, you know? And, yeah. you know, I, I have that. You know, I'm a hardcore kid at heart fucking forever. And so, like, there's bands that I want to interview where I'm like, what was that? Because what it did to me was insane. So I need to know what it did to
0: you. That that has to be even crazier, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I have one of those for you, actually. Um, oh, really? Yeah, the song Calling Hours by Bane is probably my favorite hardcore song ever. So, you know, there, there's one of those. It's just that song is just like perfect back to front, in my opinion, all the guest features on it.
1: That was the most interesting thing I've ever been a part of because... They reached out to me. First of all, I'm a huge Bane fan. Yes, like same. since I was a since I was a fucking kid. And Badard wrote to me in prison while I was in prison. We kept writing back to each other, and it was you know to me like 15 year old Walter would never one never think he'd be in prison. Two, never think he'd be writing to one of his favorite frontmen ever, and as a friend, you know, like as as just as a peer. And so like, he was like, Hey, like, I want you to, to sing on this song. And I was like, one. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. What's it about? He was like, it's about watching us go like watching us end as a band. I was like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah. And he's like, I want you to write your own lines. I was like, okay, that's awesome. Um, and then I was like, who else is on it? He's like, Pat's on it. Pat's one of my best friends. So I'm like, okay i I had pat send me his lyrics and pat is more uh he's so much more visual with his lyrics and i love the way he writes that it was more caring and hopeful though his lines were a little bit more caring and hopeful and i did not want mine to be that i was i was upset that my favorite band was ending I was upset that the band that told me to push is no longer pushing for themselves. I was mad. I I wanted to be you know, and I, and I told Bedard, I was like, I want this to be violent. I want this to be aggressive. And he's like, Yeah, do what you got to do, you know. And you know, it goes back. That first line is, you know, you told me to give everything, and now you're tired. You know, going back to the give blood record. Um, yeah, or you know, give give blood, give everything, give or give more, give everything. Um. And, you know, it's like, you want me to write this song and you want me to let go, but I don't want to let go. You're going to have to fight me to let go. So that's kind of where like that, those lyrics derived from, like from an angry place, you know, where I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be the one to squeeze the life out of you. So everyone sees how great you are. Yeah, that's that's that was the visual representation that I, I went in when I, I wrote those lyrics, you know what I mean? Because me and him are so big on movies, Bedard and like Westerns. I was like, I want this to be a bloody one. I want this to be aggressive. I want this, you know, I want one of us has to die in this line, like in these lines, you know what I mean? Um And I, I was so stoked that they were so happy with what I wrote, because to me, that was like, how do how do you impress your favorite writer? You you know, like I don't like. I always thought like whatever I said, he was going to be like. I thought they were just going to be nice about it, like, oh, cool, thanks, man. Like, but But, uh, uh, I guess they they really liked it, and I was I was fangirling
0: over that because I was like, oh my god, like this is so cool. Like they want me on a Bane song. Like, yeah, I think it's good that they asked you to write your own part as well because, like, sometimes features, you know, you can just tell it's it's it doesn't feel too different from like the singer's part. But on that song, like, it's so, like, for every single person's part, it's so obvious. Yeah,
1: actually, and because of that, I no longer will sing guest parts that I don't write. So, you know, so I will try to obviously yeah, uh, find out what the song's about and go in and then okay with them if my perspective is good on what they're trying to say yeah. and stuff like that, you know. Um And uh, uh, I'm grateful because that also kind of, like, that way, I don't have to compromise myself to a song and be like, "Oh yeah, there I did the part." And I'm like, "Cool, like you you wrote the part I wrote, or you sang the part that I wrote." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, cool." Like I don't even know why the fuck you need me then. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if you want somebody for their creative writing and the way they sing, don't do it for them. You know, yeah. Um, and I'm the same way with most of the people. I've put on records I would be like okay I want you to do this how you want to. are you okay with these lyrics you can change them but, but yeah. this is the idea you know this is the idea of the lyric you can change your part however
0: you yeah because you want them well. don't you not just the voice
1: yeah yeah. yeah 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 um the only time that it was the lyrics were the same as the way i wrote it was when my brother sang on one of our songs but the song was about me and him so uh there's that song blade of rust oh yeah yeah. yeah. that song "Blade," yeah yeah that's my brother that's my little brother singing on that in the in like the little bridge part yeah so and he was very happy with the way uh the lyrics were written but his style was so unique to me that i was like no i need you to do you don't do me like you and it was it came
0: out so fucking perfect and I was like yeah, yeah this is sick uh, but
1: yeah so uh,
0: yeah yeah I never knew that that's cool that's um that's a really good feature as well so I didn't yeah I never knew that was your your brother yeah, yeah it was my little brother singing on that song oh cool well thanks thanks for coming on man it's been it's been good talking to you um, oh it's a
1: pleasure man it's always cool to just talk to somebody around the world
0: <laughs> nice yeah um, I don't know why I thought you were from Australia for some reason. Already, what well, before the interview while I was talking? Yeah,
1: yeah, I don't know, because I, I think one of the people emailing me is from Australia. Oh, Rob so,
0: um, lived in Australia for a couple of years.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I was like, I was like, who's uh. Uh, i was like yeah i was like yeah just send me they're like oh we'll send you the email then some somebody else sent it to me on on instagram i was like dude they sent me questions like on instagram i'm like fuck man like i'm not gonna do like yeah like they should still yeah i don't want to write this out man like it's gonna suck like i know it's gonna suck like my answers are gonna be stupid and like short and uh, it's just not the same but i appreciate it though
0: yeah been good I'd, I'd like to get you on again at some point uh just to talk about mandalorian um,
1: oh yeah man I'll, I'll talk about movies and comic books all fucking day man that's that's cool. my jam uh, which oh. reminds me i need to pick up some more issues soon all but right, yeah man.
0: i'll hit yeah. you up when season three comes out and we'll, we'll talk
1: yeah i mean yeah we'll definitely talk but uh i'm also a big fan of wandavision right now too oh
0: wandavision is so good Mm,
1: yeah so we can go that's a whole other discussion in my yeah, opinion for sure. but, uh, i appreciate it man okay thanks man i'll see you later oh shit there you go sorry i i don't know what i just pushed uh, <laughs> be safe man yeah see you later man bye